Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. A Dear Media original podcast. Hello, what is up? And welcome to Wine Face, where we're breaking down everything the experts know about wine in a fun, digestible, and accessible way. Because wine is for enjoying, and wine is for everyone. I'm your host, Helen Johannesson, from Helen's Wines in beautiful Los Angeles, California. And you know what? Like, I'm sure everybody heard about all the rain we got. This, let's not even talk about it because it was amazing. I loved it. I was never like, ah, stop raining. Like, I'm so depressed. I'm on my floor, like holding, you know, my sunglasses or something, like waiting for the sun. I love the rain. I'm an East Coaster. I was like, my garden is so happy. But the result of all that rain is now everything is green. Everything's lush. The wildflowers are popping off. Even if you don't go to like a quote unquote super bloom area, you can see the super bloom is like on the side of the road. The super bloom is everywhere. If you just open your eyes, it's incredible. And all of this means that it's spring. Spring has really sprung. And I'm excited about that because it's the perfect opportunity to talk about spring wine trends. Yes, we're forecasting. We're also just like talking about what we're excited about in the shop, in the restaurant, what I want to pair with my spring menu planning. So I get asked all the time, like, how do I pick wine for entertaining? How do I pick wine to go with the dinner I'm curating? And we're going to delve into that deeper at some point. But I wanted to start it off today by just talking about spring wine trends pairings as well. So I guess the message is spring is here. And there's a lot of really scintillating, exciting things happening. I think all of a sudden when the sun comes out and the weather heats up, literally people are like, I have to drink rosé. I need to drink, you know, crisp white wine. I'm taking the sweater off. I don't need to have my chewy full bodied red and oversized glass anymore. And I think all of those trends will always be true because it's sort of like that idea in, you know, food and wine, which is the essence of all pairing, right? What grows together goes together. So this is more like profound, I would say, in that you see it really clearly in an everyday life. When you go to parts of France and Italy, it's like straight up what grows together goes together. For example, 
in France, you go to Sancerre, which is, you know, sort of the Mecca for Sauvignon Blanc that's planted in this crazy like soil that has fossilized seashells. But when you're in Sancerre, one other thing that you'll notice that's prevalent is all this goat cheese called Chavignol. And then you look around and there's goats everywhere. And guess what goes really well with the Chavignol goat cheese? That's right, Sancerre. So I think at the core of everything, when we're talking about pairings, you have to think what grows together goes together. But I digress because first, let's talk about trends. What? Who's hot? Who's not? Who's getting canceled? No, I'm just kidding. I don't like cancel culture. All right. The trends I'm seeing or what I'm feeling or I guess basically what I'm pushing are alpine wines, rosé, ramatos, fruit wines, Cabernet Franc. And I'm also thinking this spring is about lesser known light red wines made from grapes like Tourette or Mondeuse or, you know, a lot of people know Gamay and Pinot Noir. Sure, they might be here, but maybe they're second fiddle. I'm talking Valdigui or Pais, so lesser known light red wine grapes. Now, let's dig into what each one of these trends mean, because I think I just threw some terms at you that maybe you're like, oh, I know that. That's cool. And then some other terms that you're like, WTF, HJ, what are you talking about? Alpine wines. Now, there is a whole podcast that's going to be coming at you in two or so weeks that's all about Alpine wine. So I can't spill the whole card over, but I will tell you that Alpine wines are wines that are grown at a higher elevation and they're mostly concentrated in countries where the Alps are, right? So that's France, Italy, Switzerland, parts of Slovenia, just to name a few, Germany, but we're not really talking about Germany. You know, the Alps, those really tall mountains where people do opera ski and it's really chic and the hills are alive with the sound of music. Yes, those are the Alps. And the Alps are actually really fertile and like not just snow covered. So there's a lot of land where grapes have been cultivated. It's not huge vineyards. You know, they're kind of winding pockets along hillsides, but that is what we mean by alpine wines. And just in a nutshell, an alpine wine is defined by its growth elevation. So how high up it's growing means that it's growing in a cooler climate. Specific grapes are usually growing up there. Most likely they're ones that you aren't commonly drinking. So they're not being grown in other parts of the area. They thrive in this alpine environment and they're higher acid, they're fresher, they're really bright, vibrant white wines. And then for red wines, they're lighter in body. So they're not full. They're not super high alcohol. So yes, Alpine wines are my spring, summer, hot, hot list. I'm very excited about it. The next trend, rosé. I mean, we always know, not we always know, but commonly, as I was saying, like, what grows together goes together. Well, when spring's here, it literally goes with rosé. And people call rosé summer water. And there's that whole summer water wine, which I don't like. Sorry, summer water. But it is literally the gateway to lovely weather and hanging out outside. Part of the reason for that, just to give you the backstory, there is rosé available year round, right? I drink rosé year round. But 
there is a release of certain rosés specifically from France that happens every March, April. So we have all these 2022 rosés coming in because rosés are best when they're consumed fresh. You know, you don't want like a 10-year-old rosé unless it's from like a very specific fancy estate, like in the south of France in Bandal. You want to have a rosé that's maybe 2022, 2021, maybe 2020, but you really want to keep it fresh and you don't want to age them. So there's a tradition of rosés specifically from France coming into the U.S. every spring and also being released in the European market as well. And it is like the kickoff, the unofficial kickoff of like, let's go to the beach, let's get on a boat, let's hang outside, let's do, you know, happy hour at 3 p.m., that kind of vibe. So rosé, just as a quick reminder, is a light impression of a red skin grape. It can be direct press or a very quick maceration. So rosé is most typically made from red wine grapes, but it's a whew, just a light kiss of those skins. That's what gives it the color. And a more pale rosé doesn't mean it's drier. It just means that there's a different level of color pigmentation in that grape. So you could have a really dark or deep or raspberry rosé, and it could be much drier than a super salmony pale rosé. Just my little crash course on rosé. Of course, there's my old friend Ramato, which, you know, we just released an episode all about Ramato. So please, if, you're, if your interest is peaked, go back and listen to that episode because it's really interesting. And I think it's a wine that we should be talking about more and giving it its own category. But that is Pinot Gris or Pinot Grigio that has been macerated because it's a slight, it's not a white wine grape. It's not a red wine grape. It's like you can't even really call a Pinot Gris or Pinot Grigio macerated an orange wine. You can't really call it a rosé. It sort of exists in this middle area. People put it on their wine list as an orange wine or a rosé most often, and it doesn't have its own category, even though it kind of is its own category of wine. So a Ramato is cool because you'd still chill it down. It kind of gives you like everything that you would want about an orange wine coupled with like everything you like about a chilled red and then like the softness of a rosé. So really, really nice, especially if you're eating al fresco or grilling things. We just put on our by the glass list at Fairfax a wine that's made in the San Juan Islands off the coast of Seattle. It's made by Picnic, which is a collaboration of this lovely couple who are Nick and Tess, and they're just like literally the best people ever. And they moved to the island to make wine. And a lot of the wine that they're making is fruit-based. So it's wine made from apples, wine made from pears, and it's some next level shit. Like all I want to do when I open a bottle of that, and it's not sweet. These are like dry and bubbly and refreshing and so well-made. And you literally feel like you're on the Samwine Islands with them about to get into a motorized dinghy and go pull up a crab trap because that's what you do, I guess, in the San Juan Islands. Or as I'm excited about, I'm going in June and it's spot prawn season. So your girl's going to eat a shit ton of spot prawns with apple or fruit wine and just generally freak out. There's a lot of people who are doing a wine made with grapes, which I guess is also a fruit wine, LOL, grapes are fruit, but people are making a wine and then blending 
some apple or pear in. Now, this is not that. And I, I wouldn't even call it a cider because it really is on another level of elegance. They're so beautiful. Pekinique, like you can come grab it at the shop or order it online if you want to experience its awesomeness. Now, for red wine, a commonly known grape. Now, this might be controversial. It's not really classically a springtime one, but I'm kind of calling it out as a springtime wine, and that's Cabernet Franc. And I think that it's often a grape that people overlook or they're just like, oh, I like it when it's blended in with Bordeaux. Whether it's the Lo-Fi Cab Franc from California near Santa Barbara, or if you're going to get into the classic mode and do a Cabernet Franc from the Loire Valley, which is probably where Cabernet Franc is most famously from. To me, this is the perfect early evening red wine. It's solidly medium bodied. It's not going to be too full, but it's like got a little more going on than I would say, you know, Pinot Noir. It definitely has more earthy notes. And I really think it picks up nicely with anything that you're grilling. And it's something that's sort of, oh, it's the sun went down. I need a sweater. That vibe, the Cab Franc is like the perfect thing to open. So it's like open the Cab Franc, put out the whiskey. People can choose their own adventure. So other than Cabernet Franc for red wine, I'm also calling out lesser known light red grapes. Grapes like Mondeuse, as I mentioned. Now, these might sound obscure and I sure that half the people listening to this aren't going to go out and be like, I want to try a Pais from Chile, but I hope that you do. I hope that you get away from convention like Pinot Noir and Gamay. Those are awesome, but there's such a wide range of indigenous, awesome, great varietals out there that would be so fun to entertain. Sicilian Frappato is really, really nice and can express super lightly. But one that I think everyone should try and find is Cornelin. It's really cool and light. And another one would be Pulsard. And these also happen to be Alpine region reds. But Pulsard, I mean, it's just like in the name, it's pulsing. It's like Pulsard. I'm come to me. But I would highly recommend that. And when you pour them in the glass, you might even be like, this is a light red almost. I don't even know if this is technically a rosé. It's not. It's just some red wine grapes are super, super light. So let's get out of our comfort zone. Now, how do we pair all of these awesome wines with our spring eating vibes? I know that's the question that's pressing on most of you every day, like it is on me. No, (laughs) I'm just kidding. I know that this is just like icing on whatever cake is going on in your day. But There's general rules of pairing wine and food, right? You can go the route of like opposites attract. So I have something spicy. I'm going to pair a wine that's a little bit sweet or I have something acidic in a dish. So I'm going to pair it with something that's a little more fat, not as acidic. The other school of thought, and there isn't a right or wrong way to do this, is I'm going to pair like with like. So if it's an acidic bright dish, I'm going to get an acidic bright wine and so on and so forth. Like hearty, full, you know, big ribeye steak, I'm going to get a big full bodied red. I think most people go down the path of, of that. But I think that there isn't that much you can do that really fucks up a pairing. I think as long as the wine's super good, and the food is delicious, there is a lot of harmony that you can find in the in-between. And and that's where I like to go because 
the end of the day, nobody wants to do like a tedious wine pairing during a casual hang unless that is the vibe of the dinner. I think it's best to go for a general pairing instead of honing in on what pairs with only one aspect of the meal. So if you're cooking like a white fish dish, right? Instead of just being like, I'm only focusing on the white fish aspect. So I need a white wine or whatever that goes with that fish. You should really just think about like, okay, what's the salad? What's the sides? What's the sauce? What's the flavors? What's the dessert? What's the starter? What's the appetizer? And sort of build your pairing based on that. So take broader strokes. But I think that we should talk about scenarios, right? So like the first scenario where you would find yourself needing to pair wine with is the outdoor barbecue. Now, obviously, this can take on many forms, but usually if you're grilling something, it's going to have a certain amount of char. And the amazing thing about items coming off a grill is they're really dynamic, but they get that smoky char flavor. And there's so many different wines like you could have a piece of like grilled broccolini that's really, really tasty and like a nice crisp white wine would pair so nicely with that because it's kind of cleansing your palate of that broccolini char flavor with each sip. I think my go-to for outdoor BBQ, let's say you're doing barbecue chicken, you're doing ribs, you're doing burgers, you're doing, I don't know, mushrooms, like whatever it is that you grill. I love to have chilled light breads. I think it's really nice. It picks up beautifully with the flavors that you're usually coaxing out. And then I also like to have either a rosé or an orange wine, usually not both, and then one sort of medium-bodied white wine. Nothing that's too acidic, that's too shrill, because it's just going to kind of fight the nuanced flavors you're building off of cooking on an outdoor barbecue. So you want something that's sort of a little bit more medium-bodied. Chenin Blanc is literally the perfect wine for an outdoor barbecue. Next outdoor pairing trend also, by the way, the Alpine white wines would all kind of be cool candidates for this because the reds are super light. You could chill them and the white wines are refreshing, but not too shrill. Very, very nice. Sandwiches. OK, no one talks enough about sandwiches. A good sandwich is so, so good. Now, you know what sandwiches love? Sandwiches love Ramatos and pet nats. I'm telling you. You know why? Because the best sandwich hits so many different notes, right? You've got like a salty, you've got some little kind of sweet thing. Maybe not sweet, but I'm not talking about like candy, but you got something in there. You've got savory, you've got crunch. You, I love sandwiches. Honestly, you know what I've been thinking about? I need to find like a really good Calabrian pepper spread like chili spread and then mix it with Kewpie and it's just like a nice creamy spicy mayo. Oh, I love a sandwich. All right. We could talk about sandwiches only. Oh, and the other day I made a banh mi at home and it was the best decision of my life. I got chicken liver mousse and then I did bacon instead of like a roasted pork. It was pretty bomb.com. But sandwiches, bromatos or pet nuts because there's going to be a diversity of flavor. I think pet nuts are really nice because they're not bone dry. They're sparkling. They're really fun. They're casual. And usually they're pop top. And usually you're eating a sandwich in a park or at a beach. So those are both really nice. Now, the daunting category of seafood, which I feel like is one that people just freak out. They like start melting down when they have to pair with seafood. I don't know why, because it's a really easy pairing. But 
break it down into categories. We've got shellfish. We've got like white fish or just like mahi mai or fish and then oysters. Oysters, I can't get away from champlain or chablis. But in general, with all seafood, you know what goes great? Rosé. It just really does. Or alpine white wines. Really, really, really goes with all shellfish, seafood, oysters. It's a perfect pairing. Or just like pop champagne the entire time. But at the end of the day, what you're going to probably be doing more than ever is eating al fresco. So you're eating outside. And the question you have to ask yourself is how many people are you with? What's your ice bath situation? If you really don't want wines being in the direct sun, try and find them some shade or have a, an ice bucket that really can be refilled and replenished so that the wines don't get too hot. But if you're with more people than not, you could also keep the wines in the fridge, pull them out one at a time. You just have to be a good host and stay on it. Now, my favorite part of spring is what I would call the spring veg alert, okay? And if you aren't eating a lot of these vegetables, you're missing out because it's the spring cleanse. I'm talking about asparagus. Maybe get the pea thing so you don't want to eat it. I don't know, but so worth it. Asparagus, spring onions, artichokes, fava beans, and snap peas. Can I get a witness on these veg? Okay. So, so good. I've been eating one or more of these at every meal at my house. So go out, buy some asparagus, steam some artichokes, make a kick-ass dip. By the way, the best artichoke dip is usually some version of salad dressing, just a hot tip that you dip into. And honestly, I'm going to say every single spring wine tread goes with those, but mostly fresher, more acidic white wines are a classic pairing with these. And Yo, Alpine white wines. And guess what? I'm going to be dropping an episode about Alpine wines. So you'll have to wait a little while for it. But until then, happy spring drinking and spring eating. I would love to hear about what you're cooking, what wines you paired it with. So please send me a message on Instagram. You can also write it in a review of this podcast, which I would absolutely love. And rate, review, subscribe, the RRS. You know what I'm talking about. Anyway, if you want to see what wines we have in stock in these categories, you can always go to helenswines.com. You can always join our wine club. We are mixing in wines just like these for spring and summer. And you can follow along on Instagram if you just want to see what we're up to at Helen's Wines. All right, y'all. Thank you so much. Bye. Bye.